With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Buzz! 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 Welcome back to another special edition of At The Buzzer. This is a fancy one. It's a signing day preview review uh, at The Buzzer for your Ralphie Report. This is Jack Barsh, your co-host. And in Sam's stead, we have a much better, more attractive host. Please yes. welcome Chase Howell. Both true statements. <laughs> I'm filling in for Sam, but uh, I don't know if I'll be able to make as many jokes as Sam normally does. Um, no. But I do have some recruiting knowledge. I do yeah. spend a lot of time covering um, covering this CU class, and uh, I feel like I, I know some of these guys pretty well, so hope to provide something for this podcast. I, I'm just lucky there's going to be way less pit bulls barking in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no um, dogs for me. <laughs> well, Chase is here to, to um, give us a little background on some of the Colorado signing day commits. And some of the people we're expecting tomorrow, um, some class impressions as a whole, and I guess to talk about Mel Tucker's first full class as the head coach. Yeah, so, I mean, they're going to finish in the Pac-12 probably around five or six um, in the country, probably around 30 to 40, depending on how things shake out here uh, tomorrow and for the regular signing period in February. Um, They've never finished ahead of eight while being in the Pac-12. So I think that's your first sign. Is that of, true? How good this Yeah, it, they came close. Um, but they actually had a really good class, uh, obviously, in 2016. Um, but it ended up not looking as good uh, once it was all said and done. So, yeah, they haven't finished ahead of eight. They were nine last year. They spend most of their time around nine, ten. And, uh, yeah, they're at five. Five is really good. Yeah, fine. well, I mean, especially when what, on-field results puts them at 11 in the conference, or 10th in the conference this year. So when you can recruit five spots better than where you finished, <clears throat> that's cause for celebration. Yeah, exactly. And they're behind, I think, Washington, Oregon, Stanford, and then UCLA. I think the only school that you kind of well, – you expect Washington, Oregon, and Stanford to beat CU every year. UCLA – um, we'll see. They they had a little bit of success on the field, but um, I think that's a school that CU can actually beat down the road. And then USC yeah. is just having a down year, so that's a, a team that will normally be ahead of CU. Ah, oh, man, I really don't know what the strategy is. I think what are they still like seventies in in the class rankings? There's something Probably. not it's, USC. It's eleven in the Pac-12, uh, <laughs> just ahead of Utah. Who, it's USC and Utah at the back end, which isn't something uh, you'd expect from watching the football. Right. Um, well, I and know. I don't know. Yeah, Utah's class. They always they always f- find some late flyers. Um, yeah. And with Mormon missions, it's always interesting to see how they play with those numbers. Yeah, and yeah, Whittingham knows what he's doing. It doesn't matter what um, what the recruiting rankings say. He always goes seems to go after the right guys so 
and they end up getting a bunch of guys late. I'm sure they'll end up finishing like around the eight or nine range, probably eight to ten, something like that. Yeah, I mean, they have they've had the same like you said they've had the same blueprint in Whittingham for twelve years now, and there's no reason to think it won't stop working. Um, just find big dudes and coach them up. Um, <clears throat> along those lines, I don't know if anyone read or if Chase you got a chance to look at it, but uh, Bruce Feldman put out a really nice piece on. Mel Tucker on the eve of signing day um, in the athletic, which yeah, I don't have an athletic subscription, so I didn't get to read that. But uh, well, what were some of the main, real quick. main points? <clears throat> yeah, he uh, it was interesting. Just on the size point, Mel, um, Mel Tucker said he really is looking for a a someone who looks like a power five player before they look even look further into the film, um, and he mentioned that you know. I really like this quote because I think it, it just macro recruiting recruiting level this is what we saw for a long time at CU. And now hopefully last year had a little bit of this and this year's class changes that perception a little bit. But what he said was, um, you know, he looks for certain measurables and players because you always, you see exceptions and, and you kind of want to take them. If you see a five, eight cornerback as you know, dominating the competition. Mm-hmm. But then what he said is, you know, if you take that exception, then you end up with all exceptions at the end and you can't win with just exceptions, which, um, you know, I think after looking what we saw with Mike McIntyre and um, some of those recruiting tactics, I think that we saw that bear fruit. Um, yeah, a lot of years. exceptions. Yeah. So um, I was glad to see, I don't know, I, I guess how superficial he is as a talent evaluator. Um, I think that kind of, you kind of see that in this year's class. Yeah, and, and he will take flyers on some guys, but uh, when he does, it seems like it's guys that are either really, really fast or um, it's a guy that's really, really big, like a Jared Lichtenhahn. Uh, those seem yeah. to be the guys that he's willing to take a chance on. But for the most part, it's guys that, that look the part and, and normally play the part. Um, you look at the D linemen and offensive linemen that they're bringing in in this class, the only one below 300 pounds is Justin Jackson. Um, assuming that he does sign tomorrow and he's at 285 and he looks the part for a defensive lineman. Everybody else Mm -hmm. is over 300 pounds, including all three of their offensive linemen. Um, I don't know if Mike McIntyre ever had a class with all offensive linemen over 300 pounds. That just doesn't seem like something he would do. I'm trying to think of one that had offensive linemen that were at 300 pounds. And other than (laughs) Chance Lytle, I can't think of a name that came in ready-made. Yeah, Jake Moretti, but maybe he was high 290s. And, I mean, are we counting – I guess he was, a, he was a high school signee, but he was also – I mean, that whole situation was – it fell onto CU's lap, thankfully. Um, you know, yeah. I, it's – also in the article, they mentioned that the shortest commit um, on this year's class is Chris Carpenter, um, who, like you said, I mean, he's, quote, short because he's, what, 5'10", 5'11", but – yeah, um, that's not that short. And he burns. He has speed for days. So I, you know, if you're gonna take someone who's five ten or five eleven, it's nice to see that they they have other attributes to make up for that. Yeah, and I I like Chris Carpenter a lot. I, I like that you um, brought him up. He put up some sick numbers um, in Texas high school football this year as a wide receiver. Um, I know they had originally liked him at cornerback, um, but it seemed like to keep him on board. He's going to be a wide receiver. Um, I still think he can kind of go both ways, but that's a kid that has a bunch of upside. Well, yeah, I think it might be a similar situation. I guess I don't know exactly what happened with Tariq Luckett this year, but Tariq Luckett also came in as a wide receiver, I think, like you said, partially to keep him on board. 
and um, you don't you don't have to suggest a position change, but what you can say is like after spring ball, just say, hey, if you want to play early, like this is how you play early. Yeah, <laughs> have more fruit this year is is if you switch to the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think a lot of kids, um, especially wide receivers, they usually um, have a little bit of an ego and think that they they are going to be the best and always the best. And I think once you get to school and you kind of realize how much talent um, is in that wide receiver room, I yeah. think it makes it a pretty easy decision to switch on the other side of the ball, especially on a team um, like this year's team where there just wasn't that many cornerbacks. Yeah. he. Um, Chris Carpenter will be similar. Well, Carpenter, like, like we both said, he has a ton of speed. And um, the interesting thing is, because he is coming in as a wide receiver, um, this year, I think more than other years previous, but it, it bears it, the whole wide receiver group takes on this trait. I don't think any wide receiver committed this year has the same strength as another one, um, which I, re- I really like how varied that wide receiver core is going to look in 2020. Um, just with the signees that we have scheduled to sign, you have Chris Carpenter, who's blazing, um, and he's more of a slot receiver, in my opinion, at least. Yeah. You know, you have Brendan Rice, who's a polished all-around outside receiver, um, and you have Keith Miller, who's like a he's a post-up threat um, yeah. that has runs nice clean routes. He's a possession receiver. Like all, none of them sh- they share traits, but none of them have the same um, out you know outstanding strength, which I think is a really good way to build an already deep wide receiver core. Yeah, and then even uh, MLC Montana Luminous right. Craig, he um, he's a completely different receiver from the other three too. He's a little bit more of a Tony Brown type of uh, possession receiver. Well, how okay? How you pronounce the middle name? The the first hi- part of the hyphenated name? I said Lemonius. Uh, yeah, lo- that's what I go with, Lemonius. Okay, okay. I'm not yes. exactly sure on that one, but <laughs> that's how that's how it's spelled at least. Just go by MLC. I, I like MLC. I mean, either way, I oh god. It's thank God he's really good because I would say you need to put him on your recruiting class for that name only. Yeah, it helps that he's also a really good football player. But holy shit, adding that name to your program, oof, that's a win. Limonious. Um, I think Mark Johnson's going to have some fun with that one. Yeah, I you can already see MLC for TD stapled <laughs> across those those audio highlights. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. I, I just I was reading that Bruce Feldman article this morning about how he framed this class, and and it helped me look through in a different lens. Um, you know, last year he kind of scrambled to get add some big bodies. We had a lot of junior college and some late signees like Lord Murray and Jalen Simon on the D line. Yeah. Uh, but this year, it, I think it, it you saw him target those big bodies early, which helped. I, I I mean the traction that CU got on, on offensive line recruiting early I, I, is a big testament to Chris Kapilovich and Mel Tucker, um, but also shows, like you said, you know the exceptions they take is licked in hand is gigantic. Um, he does he have the foot speed? It's easier to take that exception I think than try to get some, go smaller and see if you make him bigger. Yeah, yeah, I think you can already see the potential there. It's not like you're bringing in a guy that's two six like six six two sixty and have to kind of build him into an offensive lineman. He has um, – the frame is there. Obviously, he needs to cut down on some weight um, and add some muscle, but the frame is already there. And it sounds like uh, Coach Cap loves the kid. So um, I think he could end up being a pretty good player for them. And also helps – I mean, you can take – you can have a guy like Lichten Hand who wasn't as highly recruited um, and he was an under-the-radar prospect when you have around him as part of the class – 
players like Jake Ray, who was blue chip um, not so long ago and still is a like yeah, polished, ready-made prospect. Yeah, I believe Georgia State Championship, right? Yeah, Marietta's yeah. first state championship in like a stupid amount of years, like 40, 50 years, something like that. Right. Marietta is a Georgia powerhouse. So He is a polished power five size, power five athletic um, offensive lineman from the state of Georgia who played, I think, what the second high classification football um, I think in the a football rich state. Yeah. yeah. Like that is someone who is an easy cornerstone to build a class around. And then, you know, guys like Carson Lee, the first commit who did nothing but dominate Colorado high school football for three years. Um, it's easier to take the, the, the flyers, if you want to call them that, I don't know. That might be a little disingenuous to call yeah. it a hand of flyer. Um, when you have ready-made blue chip or yeah, I'm going to say blue chip guys on the lines um to build a class around i think that's what you saw in this class is both uh, the trenches are stacked yeah i think it made it really easy on coach cap i think getting carson and jake on board early and um, i love how both of those guys were so have been so on board i don't even know what the right word is but none of them have taken any other visits since they committed Mm -hmm. Um, both of them have been very solid with the buffs throughout and i think that really helped coach cap go out and take a guy um, that he really sees the potential in. Um, I, I know he wanted maybe another blue chip offensive lineman. I think everybody does, but having <laughs> three might be uh, getting a little greedy. And I, I like taking a guy like that um, in the back end of your recruiting class. Yeah. Um, I think I saw Carson Lee at, at when I was at every CU game. I think I noticed him on the sideline at every CU game, which is yeah. just to have that buy-in from a local prospect who's, who was a national prospect um, is something that hasn't, it's not easy to garner in Colorado, um, especially with the way that the, the program has been. So it's, it just, it makes everything so smooth to have a local guy buy in that completely that early. Um, and I honestly think he did help put some of this class together, um, which is, yeah, you know, he's, he's the man, he's the MVP of this class. Um, <laughs> I, the, the only game that he missed was USC. And I believe that was cause it was a Friday night and he had his own game to worry about. Um, but he was at every other game this season. He was picking guys up at the airport. He was having guys stay at his house. Um, he Whoa, did a really? lot of recruiting. Yeah. He, he, he did it all. We, yeah. We see, God, that's next level commitment. <laughs> yeah, he was probably he was the best recruiter um, of this class, probably behind Coach Chef. I'd, I'd give him that. So um, I guess before I get into any more of my my favorite signees or who I'm looking to impact early, if you want to give your just one final high level overview, what you like a lot about this class o- overall, you know what what do you see coming out of the class of 2020? Um, I think. To me, the thing that stands out is the elite talent um, at the – I don't know what the right word is, but the very important positions, maybe like the – The VIPs? The, the, the keystone positions. Like you have a really good quarterback in Brendan Lewis in this class, a guy that should be a four-star is just below um, being a four-star. You have a really good tackle, like we mentioned, um, in Jake Ray, a guy that you could build a class around. Uh, you have a really good defensive back. If they're able to get – Jason Harris, um, when he announces on December 2nd, you have an elite pass rusher. I think they got um, elite guys at the positions that you want to have elite guys at. And I think uh, that's probably what stands out to me the most. Yeah. um, 
Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's a testament to I guess the their ability of this staff to identify needs and then I guess I target high high value replacements um, and then go and get them. Which that last part is what's been missing for for quite a while um, at CU. So it's just nice to see early wins and then retention. This class, like you said, with these big these outsized impact positions. Yeah, yeah, the impact positions. Maybe that that was the word I was looking for. Yeah. And um, running back as well as Sean Clayton, if if that one holds true too. I don't think we'll know that until February either. No, he's I, I believe is he the only um high schooler that CU has currently committed that's going to sign in February? Um yes. Yes. The only okay. one that that I know of at least. Um I, I'm sure this podcast is gonna come out while people already know, um, but we, we yeah. have to tape it a little early. Yeah. Well, just start growing your fingernails out now because you're going to be chewing those down, counting counting till February, because that is a stressful. That would be, oof, yeah, that's going to be some drama. Being up to I love some drama. Nothing, nothing like some signing day drama. <laughs> um, well, hopefully, I guess these these this next part is a little undramatic. Um, I'm going to start off with just my favorite my uh, my favorite recruit from this class. Um, and I think I'm going to have to go with Christian Gonzalez, who's a safety out of Texas. Yeah. Um, he was – I mean, he had a little bit of a strange recruitment for how for how much a high-level target he is. Almost everyone in the country wanted him. Um, and then sight unseen, he, take, he committed to Purdue, which if I remember correctly, um, I, don't, I don't know how connected these are, but I do know I believe his sister married David Blau, who was a quarterback at Purdue. Um, yeah, and I thought he had like a another sibling that was on the team or something like that. I, I'm not sure on the background, but yeah, you, but there's connections there. Yeah, um, yeah, some serious connections. Um, and I mean, he committed sightseeing like we talked about. Um, I think then he researched into West Lafayette a little more. Um, <laughs> and he he opened it back up, and um, luckily he was teammates with uh, another one of CU's um, higher rated commits and in. in Brandon, or uh, sorry, Keith Miller, and yeah. um, you know he's he'd already visited CU before, and then I believe it was the week of his official aid committed. Um, and I think honestly he has a pretty good chance to start right away next year, um, just from what I've seen. I think as an athlete he's one of the he's one of the smoother in this class. I, it never looks like he's trying too hard um, to get where he needs to go, and he, he does it in I guess the most efficient way possible. Um, to, which to me is, is one of the most impressive things you can see in a prospect, just being able to mo- control your body in a way that you look like you're not doing anything really um, is, is impressive. So I, I, he flies for the ball. He's pretty good at reading coverages early. Um, I think he's also, I think he was the return man for his, his high school in, in Texas. Yeah. Him and him and miles price, the Texas tech command. I think they shared it. Yeah, which I, if I remember correctly, he's also like a jitterbug. So two completely different type of athletes. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think Gonzalez is exactly what we needed at the safety position. I don't know if he's going to be a a Tedrick Thompson type ball hawk, at least not right away. But um, he's definitely someone I would feel comfortable patrolling the middle um, in the near future. And well, yeah, I mean, you, you said at least right away, but um, I think the best comparison for him, at least someone that CU fans will know, is Tedrick Thompson, and it's not just the hair. <laughs> like, they both have incredible hair um, that I'm very jealous of, but 
I think they are both. Uh, I think Christian's very similar to Tedrick in that he can become that ball hawking safety. He hasn't played much safety, um, but that does look like it's going to be his best position. He played a lot of cornerback um, at his high school and obviously wide receiver. But you're right, he's just such a fluid athlete. It's a very fun tape to watch. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, and that was someone I didn't, I thought was CU's out of the picture for for a long time. And I'm just glad that. Um, I guess the, the connection was still there and you know, Shiverini just works magic in Texas. So um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, I'll drop a little uh, from what I had heard about it. So Keith continued to work on him. He didn't really care that uh, he was committed to Purdue and then Purdue was obviously not winning many games. And uh, Keith, Keith stayed on Christian the entire time. And um, it was like a few weeks before the visit, maybe sometime in October, l- later October, mm-hmm. um, Keith had texted me that, Christian started wearing uh, CU gloves during practice because they all wear like their college, <laughs> their college gloves. So Keith gave Christian a pair of his CU gloves, and that's when I was like, okay, this, they might have an actual chance. And then once he visited for Stanford, I thought um, it was pretty much a done deal. Wow. So you're saying if the glove fits, he must commit? Yeah, if the glove fits, you, you kind of. <laughs> it's funny you hear these little things of how you kind of know that they're not as solid with their commitment as it may seem. Yeah, and at least both schools clean. are black and gold, so it wasn't too much of a yeah. crazy shock. <laughs> um, so and his I guess, high school's black and gold too. Oh, is that true? Yeah, we got to get a pipeline down to the colony. Yeah, in exactly. Texas. Um, so that was mine. Uh, Chase, if you want to go through your your favorite commit. In the class of 2020. Oh, I don't know if I can pick a favorite. Um, Carson <laughs> Lee, we already talked about him, so but I do want to mention him because he deserves to be um, mentioned as, as a favorite commit. Uh, maybe Brennan Lewis. He's really fun to watch, and I think he's going to have a really good chance at um, starting next year. Um, I just love his both his ability to throw the football and his ability to run the football. Um, he gets mm-hmm. it done both ways um brendan rice was my favorite recruitment to follow just because he is a little bit of a prima donna but um he plays the right know. position for it you kind of want that in the wide receiver i think right he plays he plays the right position for it and we've uh, cu has seen a few of those guys in the past katie mm-hmm. nixon shayfields not <laughs> names. um <laughs> Uh, another guy that I, I really like that I think is going to be um, a really good player, and it's a legacy kid. It's Caleb Fourier. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to play early and often, and I think he's going to become a pretty good weapon for Brendan Lewis. So I, there there you go. There's three of them. There's three? Okay. One. Yeah, I mean, you broke the rules a little bit, but we'll allow it. I guess guest gets to bend the rules. Um, yeah, I – oh, man. I guess – I don't know how I haven't gotten this far without talking about Brendan Lewis. Um, because that it might be the most instant impact player, depending on how the quarterback competition shakes out. Uh, he is out of north of Texas, which is, uh, I believe, a suburb of Dallas. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Somewhere. Well, I, I think it's really close to College Station. Oh, really? Um, from my understanding, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So, anyways, he, he's playing in Texas, and he's not. He's playing at a pretty big school. I don't think it's the top classification, but it's not. Um, you know, it's not like Colorado 3A football. Yeah, um, or even 4A football, really, when we're talking about Texas. Yeah. Uh, it And he uh, committed before his senior year. He Wait, was that a shot at Ty Evans, by the way? <laughs> oh, no, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> it sure can be, maybe. I don't know. Okay. How do you think okay. this? Didn't he redshirt? 
Um, yeah, I think he did. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, he picked the best <laughs> spot for him. He was in a bad spot. Yeah, he's got Kurt Roper. Okay, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you there. No, you're Go, good. Colorado 3A football. <laughs> um, I just looked it up. I think, yeah, Melissa's a little northeast of Dallas. Um, so I think it's the opposite way it calls. I don't know. Anyways, it's um, he plays around Dallas in the Dallas metro area, um, and he committed before his senior year, um, and then he had a like really good senior year, um, and luckily CU held on. Because he, like you said, I, I like the fact that he throws before he runs, but when he decides to run, he can really run. Yeah, he can really make guys miss. It's not even uh, – he has solid speed, but it's really just his ability to make guys miss. It's kind of that um, Lamar Jackson type of running style. And I'm, I'm not comparing Brendan Lewis to Lamar Jackson. Yeah. But um, they're similar runners in that it's not like they're just super fast. It's that they just do not let you tackle them. But, yeah, Brendan Lewis is a very good – thrower of the football he was highly recruited by washington state and they continued to push um into this season and i mean a guy that mike leach likes is probably a pretty good thrower of the football right i mean i always get uh, a little upset when oh not a little upset but a little wary because i think some people some recruiting services put the dual threat tag on people um that are athletes that happen to play quarterback um but i think brendan lewis is a quarterback that happens to be a really good athlete yeah, um, I, I think he, he's pretty comfortable reading passes. I think he has a pretty nice throwing motion, um, and he he'll run when he needs to. Um, but he always—I don't think he's trying to always escape the pocket and and you know, would pick up those hard yards on the ground. I I I think CU fans will be at ease when he throws the ball. It's not going to be a Bernard Jackson situation. Yeah, I think we need. I think we need a third option for quarterbacks. You, you remember the old NCAA video games? Um, when you were creating your quarterback, you had three options. It was like pro style, dual threat, and scrambler. Oh, yeah. Okay, I think, yes. I think we yes, got to throw scrambler. in the scrambler. Okay. So some Franz Harkinson have, is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. You do have scramblers in college football. But um, like, there's in the dual threat category, you can have two completely different quarterbacks. Like Joe Burrow was a dual threat quarterback right. coming out of high school. That, that yeah. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, and so was um, – oh, geez. D- Donald Hammond for Air Force, right? And Donald <laughs> Hammond's going to throw 20 passes a year. Joe Burrow threw 20 passes and a half. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, in a quarter. <laughs> right. It, you know, Brendan Lewis, I think, is more of the – once again, these are whew, these are lofty expectations. I'm sorry, Brendan. Uh, but he's more on the Joe Burrow side of things where um, he'll run when he needs to and he'll get the yards. Um, but, he, I mean, he can really spin it. And – the nice thing is, I think he's a little bit different runner than we've seen the past, what did that be now, five years? Uh, the Steven Montez, Sefer Lufau type. Yeah. Power. Where, range. I mean, you knew where Sefer was going every time he ran the ball. <laughs> um, the question was, were you gonna, are you going to let him run you over or not? Um, and with Steven, he had some speed to get to the outside, but I don't know how often he left defenders in the dust, you know. So I, I think Brendan Lewis – will provide a little a more elusive target like you said um which will help when you're scrambling also helps if they're doing those those read options where they do a late pull just to give them a little space um as a defensive end's closing down so what what do you say who's your starting quarterback um oh boy game next year okay well this is a sign day podcast but i guess as i'm I'm talking about brendan um 
who do I want? Who do I think? I'm the, I'm gonna guess the two different things. Okay. Um, if I were, had, if I had my druthers, Chase, I think I would choose Brendan Lewis as a starter and just take the lumps. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully, you don't break his confidence, but just let him learn um, while we're dealing with the schedule. And then as this team matures into the 2021, that 2021 team and schedule, um, I think needs not a first-time starter. Um, I think it would be nice to let him grow now. Um, and while you have Fontenot and you have hopefully a shot Clayton and Jaron Mangum in the backfield, just run the ball 40 times a game, pass the ball the other 20, um, and let him hand the ball off. Run the damn ball. I think CU might start to get that identity pretty soon here. I mean, Chase, long-term listeners of the podcast know that I am an old man when I watch football. <laughs> I want Gary Barnett. I want running the ball until they can't take it anymore. And I just want to lean on teams until they break. Uh, yeah, I think that's kind of what Mel Tucker and Jay Johnson want as well. Which is why you get why I'm so excited about this offense. I saw a tight end move, block, and catch the ball this year. <laughs> it was fascinating. Oh, God, I miss it. Brady Russell's the man. Huh? Brady Russell is the best. Um, I'm just glad he's getting reinforcements with 4AA and Passarello. Yeah. Yeah, and even maybe some J. Lee stacks, depending on how they utilize him. Um, but, yeah, Brendan Lewis, um, I think he's going to be the starter as well. And um, a big reason for that for me is just because um, I think it's starting to get a little bit more more and more common um, to have a true freshman starter mm-hmm. in college football. I think we saw a bunch of them this year. I could just kind of go down the list. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when teams bring in, like, grad transfer guys to come compete with the true freshman, it they don't always win, even if they're experienced grad transfers. Like I look at UCLA a couple years ago. Uh, you had a quarterback battle between Dorian Thompson Robinson and Wilton Spite, who started a bunch of games at Michigan um, and did pretty well. And DTR beat him out. Yeah. And DTR barely even played quarterback in high school. I think he played one year um, his senior year because he was behind Tate Martell. So it's like it, it's more common than you think to have a true freshman starter. Um, and yeah, and – I think Brendan Lewis can be that guy that they're going to want to run the football um, a lot. And I think Brendan Lewis can help with that too. Yeah. I mean, to your point, I think he's more polished than DTR was coming into college. Um, And I mean, Jaden Daniels at ASU, we saw this year, he was a blue chip, he was a elite 11 quarterback. And I'm not sure Brendan Lewis comes in with that amount of hype. Um, But Daniels beat out some pretty established competition for that job. Um, And, we saw from Tucker this year also. It's, it's a meritocracy at CU. Um, I don't think that a class does, you know, earns you any start playing time. I think it's all about what he's seeing in practice. Um, you know, there's a lot of early contributors this year in the 2019 class. And I think if, if Brendan Lewis is the best option at quarterback, this, there's not going to be a, a preference to the older guys just because they're older, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, exactly. Like it might have been in years past. And I think you made a good point on um, Outlook looking past 2020. Um, I think Brian Howell tweeted today that they're going to have two seniors on offense, um, two offensive linemen. Uh, I'm blanking on the other dude's name, but Kari Cush. uh, Is it Chance Lytle? Is the other one? I don't know. No, it's the Colorado kid. I I just can't think of Oh, Hunter Vaughn. Hunter Vaughn, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, those are the only two seniors on offense. So if you're looking past 2020 – it's like, why not bring in a true freshman when you're going to have a little bit of an inexperienced offense? And then this could be a really good offense uh, 
down the road with all of those guys coming back the next year. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah. So I think it's 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 nice that he's signing tomorrow or signing with the C, uh, CU early, and then he's uh, early enrolling as well. So I think yeah. he'll be on campus for spring football, which helps. Um, and it, it, he's like you said, it's another nice cornerstone at an important position in this class. Um, I guess we we talked about some of the big names in this in in the class of twenty twenty. Um, who's your most underrated player in this class? So we're not getting this- their due. We were asked this on our website, um, and I think a lot of us had similar web uh, had similar answers. Buffstampede.com, uh, Thank for you. those of you <laughs> <laughs> for those of you that don't know, but uh, I went with Devin Grant. Okay, and he's kind of a middle of the pack recruit on in this recruiting class, but he's towards the bottom, and he had a really good senior season. Um, I don't have the total sack numbers in front of me, but um, I was tracking recruits every week, and it seemed like he had at least two sacks almost every week and a couple tackles for loss. Um, he's a little bit of a tweener because he plays D-line in high school and he's going to have to transition to um, outside linebacker. But I think he has the right body type for it. Uh, he's a superb athlete. He can jump out of the gym. There's some videos of um, him dunking the basketball. He's on the basketball team. And he's an, he's an All-American. He's going to be playing in uh, the All-American Bowl. So we're going to really get to see him sure. against top talent um, in San Antonio. and. I think he'll end up getting a bump in the rankings after that week. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, to me, I guess he he looks like one of those players where he just he he knows what he's doing on the football field already, which is an underrated um, aspect, I think, of some players. You, you look at him, and I think he knows how to use his hands a little bit already. He knows positioning pretty well. Yeah. He's a smart player. He's instinctive, um, and I guess it's a lot of ways that some people describe recruits that aren't necessarily athletic um but you already mentioned he has the athleticism to join with that um so that helps really a, a lot of the high school level just because a lot of high schoolers don't have that um and it helps a lot early in the college level too because he's already got a lot of things that some people have to learn in terms of feel for the game yeah yeah i think he has the full package i think he has everything you want um in an outside linebacker we'll see if he can uh do the whole pass coverage thing because he hasn't done that at all in high school, but I think he's athletic enough to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm going to go with a, a different uh, outside linebacker prospect, but... Ooh. Uh, Al Williams? Yeah, exactly. Al, I guess Al Williams. I didn't realize we're on a well, nickname basis with Al. <laughs> um, I, I like calling him Al Williams. I don't know if that's his actual nickname, but uh, it's great because of Alfred right. Williams. Echoes of the past. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I, there wasn't a lot of fanfare, I guess, with his recruitment because it was kind of, uh, it was really quick. Right. It happened yep. in a week. Right. You know, he, um, I guess you have the full story, but from, from my outside perspective, um, he said he's visiting and then he visited and then he said, all right, I committed. And then he, <laughs> he stayed, um, which doesn't really happen too often. The only other time I've seen that as when I've been covering was when Ronnie Blackman committed sight unseen, um, right after Charles Clark offered him. Um, which was three or four years ago, um, and he stayed, and they stayed at CU for three years, which I was, I was that was insane to me, just because I've never, I've never seen that as CU offer hold that much power. Um, but Alvin Williams, you know, he didn't have that much fanfare or hype leading up to it, and then he, it just happened, and then he proceeded to have a great senior year after a really productive junior year. Um, and I really like his size; he's he's a little bit longer than Devin Grant. Um, he's a little bit skinnier too, um, so he's more in that 
Jimmy Gilbert, I guess, pass rusher mold, if you want to call it that. Um, mm-hmm. He's not as long, but just he, I think he really gets after the ball, and I, I just like the complete. Um, I don't know what you'd call that. Reckless abandon. He he bend, he bends the edge. Yeah. Um, and I think CU needs more guys who can just bend the edge like that. Yeah, he can really bend that. That stood out to me. Um, I went and watched him play Valor when his team uh, took the trip here early September, and that, that's what stood out to me was um, his ability to get around the corner. He was going up against Roger Rosengarten, the Washington commit, so he didn't have a great game, but uh, mm-hmm. you could definitely see the talent there. Another state champion. They have a few state champions in this class. And, you always like winners. Exactly. Um, Winning games helps. Uh, do you want his full recruiting story? I know. You yeah. I, well, I figured that'd be a nice, good bl- uh, plug for buffsmp.com and the wonderful recruiting they do. Okay. So uh, here you go. He went to a camp, um, a Georgia camp, sometime over the summer, and I think early early June or so. And mm-hmm. the Georgia coaching staff really liked him, but they didn't think he was good enough to get a Georgia offer. And uh, he actually sent. The Georgia staff sent him CU's way, and CU started recruiting him, got him out to visit, and that's how it ended up happening. But you're right, it all happened really, really quick. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'd be more than happy to take Georgia's leftovers in the state of Georgia, which he, where he's from. Um, yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, being number two behind Georgia in that state is still going to get you a lot of high-level players. Yeah, and it's great that they keep that connection up, I'm sure, yeah. A lot of those coaches still like Mel Tucker because a lot of those coaches stayed there. What Dan Dan Lanning is that their defensive coordinator? Yep. Yeah. So he well, he coached Cody under coordinator. Yeah. Cody. Okay. Yeah. He coached under Tucker. Yeah, um, I, I think. Tucker was there. Oh man, Lanning's rumored to be going somewhere as a head coach. I'm trying to figure that. I'm trying to remember. I can barely barely keep up with the head coaching carousel. I can I can't do assistant yeah. coaches. I just remember he because he is he's like 30 or 31 something. Yeah. Like that. He's super young. I um, remember a lot of CU fans wanted him um, to be the defensive coordinator. I am one of here. them, yeah. Yeah, but he's probably a little bit um, too good, and obviously Georgia <laughs> knew knew that at the time and were able to promote him. Yeah, I don't I don't blame him for sticking around. Um, but anyways, yeah, it, it, I just love – it was completely a shock to me that a, a kid – not from this region would just say, Oh, is a CU offer? Let me visit, let me commit, and then just stick with it for what's going to be six months now. Um, but it, I mean, he obviously felt comfortable here. Um, he's a good player, and I think if I think if you give him a year to bulk up, he's going to really show some of his speed. Um, and it, it's just CU needs some pass rushers, yeah. And it probably helped that um, they were able to play a game in Colorado, his high school against Fowler. And, his whole team came out and his whole team took a trip to Boulder and got to see all that. I think it probably made him feel a little bit more solid. So before I let you go, um, I want to do one more quick thing. This, we've talked a lot about uh, the signing the players that will already be a part of CU's class, um, but there's still some spots left. What should we expect going forward with CU's recruiting um, with the second signing period in February? Well, I put in my crystal ball this morning um, at 24-7. We get a crystal ball for uh, Mr. Jason Harris, the four-star. And you put it towards CU? Yeah, the four-star recruit. Um, I think he's going to end up choosing CU. They made a little bit of a push to see um, if he could sign tomorrow and then keep it on the down low, and maybe he did because those that are listening, that CU wouldn't have announced it 
at this time. So right. um, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. He's not going to announce his decision until January 2nd. Um, but I do feel pretty good about that one. And uh, I do think he'll end up picking CU, which will obviously be a great coup for this. I, it'll probably put them in the top 30, I think, uh, really? in rankings because he's that good of a that good of a prospect. And he had like 20-something sacks in Arizona football this year. Yeah, well, well, number one, that <laughs> I mean, cut that in a fourth, and that's still that is great uh, production in college. Um, yeah. Number two, from what I remember, he's he's a four-star defensive end from Arizona, and I remember I think CU recruited his older brother really hard, also. To, yeah, Jalen Harris. Yeah, Jalen Harris. Yeah, um, but he stayed home in Arizona. Is that not a possibility with with Jason? Is he is the Arizona Wildcats yeah. out of the picture? It seemed like uh, they got out of the picture once they fired their defensive coordinator. Uh, but Marcel yeah, it Yates. seemed like it cut down to it cut down to UCLA, Indiana, and CU um, when he visited CU for the Stanford game. That that was my understanding of it that he wasn't really considering Arizona anymore. I know that they continued to recruit him, but um, I don't think they stayed in his top three. Right. So Jason Harris is, is the big fish that's left. Um, CU also has – we haven't talked about it at all, but they have two pretty high-impact transfers coming in, uh, the first one being Nigel Bethel, who was a defensive back who was at Miami. Um, I, I don't know how often – does he have to sit out all next year or just the first four games? Um, or not at I, all? I don't, I don't know if he has to sit out at all. I think they – but I don't know the full situation on that. I don't want to – speculate too much but i don't know if he has to sit out at all he got to see you pretty early i thought he got here before their first game usually it's a full um i think it's like a full year when you enroll to the school that you have to sit out and so i think he's gonna be fine i'd have to go back and look at that well that would be huge um for defensive back depth but um he's he's on the smaller side too but he has he has some track speed and um defensive back from the state of florida is never a bad bet um, and then the other, the other transfers a little bit, Who? uh, <laughs> this other guy? yeah, uh, I, I, let me see if I can pronounce it. And, Antonio, Alfano? <laughs> yeah. something like that. Um, uh, and a transfer from Alabama defensive end Antonio Alfano, um, who is, if you, if you take his high school rating, one of the top five prospects to ever sign with CU. Yeah. Or the top on 24-7 sports because he was actually ranked number one on our site um, and ended up being like top five in the composite. Yeah, uh, he is exactly what you're looking for, physically at least, in a in a defensive end prospect. Um, I mean, as, as a high schooler, he looked like he had an NFL body. Yeah. Um, and if you guys ever want to laugh, there's a two-minute videotape, a uh, highlight tape on YouTube of Antonio Alfano playing um, people who are not his size. And uh, it, you laugh and you, you feel a little cruel like 30 seconds in because these poor children just never stood a chance. Yeah, he should not be playing football at this level. Yeah. <laughs> when he was a senior, it looked like he was going up against a bunch of uh, Pop Warner guys. So um, he will – I mean, we. I guess I don't know what the his status will be next year, whether or not he's going to sit out. But that would – if he does play next year, that would obviously the biggest, be the biggest instant impact um, and be a huge win for the class of 2020. Yeah, and I do think he's going to end up at CU. He's already started to move back here. He's made the drive. If you follow him on, uh, the, on his Instagram stories that he posts, his girlfriend's family lives in Vail or 
I don't know the full story about that, but he spends a lot of time in the mountains. And, uh, yeah, sure. I, he's going to end up at CU. I don't think there's much to worry about there. Yeah, I would just be worried about I, – I don't know if he's going to sit out or not. I think he would have yeah. to appeal. But um, And you never know about the NCAA. But I do think he has a really good case. Um, mm-hmm. he, he said he left because of his grandma uh, being ill which is obviously a very tough situation um, for anybody. And then she actually passed away, I think, a, a week or two ago. So I think oh, there's, there's enough um, there's enough there for him to be able to get that waiver, I think. Yeah, I think worst-case scenario, you can just pull the Tate Martell. I was a highly ranked prospect, and I wasn't playing. Um, <laughs> and he should be good to go. That seems to work fine. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, that, that, was, that was a quick overview review of the 2020 2020- class for the Colorado Buffaloes. Um, tomorrow, hopefully, is not too drama-filled because it looks like a lot of these spots, you know, hopefully CU knows what they have coming out of tomorrow, but you never know. There's always drama, um, stuff you don't expect. We um, love drama. I absolutely do. Um, <laughs> and if you want some extra recruiting news and always the best information, um, Chase can tell you where to find his writing and the rest of Buff Stampede. Yeah, it's not really my writing, but uh, buffstampede.com, we have the best in the business, Adam Munster Tiger. That's who I work for. Um, he's the best CU recruiting guy out there, maybe even the best CU reporter, depending on who you're talking to. But uh, definitely, if you are looking for recruiting information, head over to buffstampede.com, um, and it's all right there. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it, it, I think it's the best source you can have for any CU information. Um, and Adam's always so, I don't know, he's so solid. It's not, he's not going to be too reactionary. So I always appreciate when um, yeah. he does, in fact, give his opinion. Just okay, he's, he's a good guy to look up to for me because of just the way that he treats all of like, the information and all of that. Um, mm-hmm. Everything that he puts out there is very backed up with uh, quite a few sources, and he's never going to put something out there for excitement or anything like that. <laughs> right he's not he's not trying to be sensationalist yeah um well chase how worried are you that we're going to lose some recruits to new csu coach steve adazio oh yeah we didn't even <laughs> get into this um well he's he's created a burner and started tweeting at christian gonzalez so, uh, <laughs> maybe maybe people should be worried about last time i checked he also tweeted at brendan rice and brendan lewis so i don't know if they don't <laughs> fax the letters really? in by 10 i don't know <laughs> That has to be a troll account. If he's tweeting at all be. the CU recruits. <laughs> it absolutely better be. Uh, Man, that what a hire. Dude, would you say that's a troll account? It's so tough to tell. So we're, we're talking about Rams CSU HC, for those of you that don't know. It's a Twitter account that basically surfaced today, um, has started to gain quite a bit of a following because I followed it when not anybody that – was in my circle was following it because I saw it it tweet back at Christian Gonzalez and then it's had some pretty funny tweets today and it's great entertainment it looks like a Steve Adazio burner account if you pretend it's a Steve Adazio burner account it makes it even funnier Um, (laughs) yeah let's see he's following he follows 12 accounts three of which are the official CSU accounts and then a fourth is Steve Adazio's Twitter account um, he keeps on telling people to please delete this post regarding Coach Steve Adazio. <laughs> please delete regarding Coach Steve Adazio. Oh, man. What are they doing up there? 
I really hope it. I honestly hope it's a, a troll because I, I would feel really bad for CSU. If, if it's actually, not, yeah. can you imagine a recruiting violation because your head coach had a burner account? <laughs> Tweeting out their recruits. Oh, my Man. Well, Interesting situation up in Fort Fun. Chase, thanks again for joining. Um, great information. It was fun to talk about uh, the next class of Buffaloes. Of course. Anytime, Jack. I hope I did a pretty good job filling in for Sam today. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm going to have to check the audio levels and stuff, but I can already tell. <laughs> Way smoother, better transitions, no dogs. no dogs. I don't have to hear about Europe. It was great. <laughs> Ella, um, we can talk about Europe. I, I spent a few months in Liverpool. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> so, uh, the most are scenic you a part fan? of Europe, Liverpool. I'm a Jurgen Klopp fan. I'm not a hey, soccer fan. Hey, there we go. There we go. That's the right answer. Yeah, my, my family's from Dortmund, so um, – I got to, I got to hear about him early, um, and I followed ever since. Did Dorman end up winning today? I know that was a pretty tight game. Oh boy, you're you expect too much of me. I I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I yeah. Don't oh yeah, know. you're you're Klopp fan. You don't even exactly. check on Dorman anymore. That's exactly uh, right. <laughs> okay. Well, up the Reds. Okay. Never up the alone. Reds. Yeah. I mean, I always just say Klopp Klopp, but you know, Klopp Klopp. <laughs> well, Chase, thanks again. Uh, you can follow his tweets at see if I can get this from memory at by Chase Howell. Yep. H O W E double L. Yep. Yep. Not to be confused with Brian Howell. Nope. Um, I get that we're rel- I get asked if we're relatives all the time, and we like to joke that we're relatives, but no relation. Well, um, thanks again for coming on, and it should be a fun day tomorrow. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Jack. Yep. Buzz. 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 Buffs!